I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Power 365 show. Today, I'm speaking with Alyssa Taylor, the Corporate Vice President for Cloud and Enterprise Business Applications and Global Industry Lead at Microsoft. It's an exciting podcast, very interesting, lot to learn. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, full show notes for anything that we mention here will be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 216. Now let's get on with the show. Alyssa, welcome to the Power 365 show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you on here. And and um, I'm quite excited today about doing this recording just after, you know, about two weeks ago, I think you did a recording with Steve Modu, or published two weeks ago. And uh, he asked you a lot of questions about Microsoft BizApp Summit. And so to our listeners, if you're interested in finding out more detail around that, please go listen to that. I'll make sure I put it in the show notes uh, so you can uh, be up to speed with all the great things that happen at the Microsoft Business Application Summit. But Alyssa, before we get started, where do you, where do you come from? What part of the world uh, do you live in? And um, what do you do when you're not working? <laughs> all right. Well, so I live in uh, just outside of Seattle, Washington, in an area called Woodenville, Washington. It's where some of you may know uh, the wineries are located, which is quite nice. And uh, I've been at Microsoft for 15 years. I run our business applications division on the go-to-market side. And uh, when I'm not doing that, uh, which consumes a lot of time, I have two little boys. Uh, one, my youngest just turned 10, so 10 and 11. And uh, uh, they are just a delight and such a fun age. And so I've spent a lot of time with the family and kids and uh, lately doing a lot of home projects, which I love. I have a passion in interior design. So I, uh, my husband's just beside himself because I have, you know, all this time now at home redecorating all of our rooms. Um, but so that's, that's a little bit about me. That's very cool. How have you found this whole lockdown that we've been in for some months now? How have you, how's that changed your family dynamics? You know, it's um, it's interesting because people will say, cause, you know, I travel a fair amount and I uh, and I am an executive at Microsoft, and and so I get the question a lot of like, oh, do you you know do you spend more time with your kids? And it, I spend it differently. It's not a more or less. It's just differently. So I I would always take them to school in the morning. Um, they go to a school in Bellevue, and so we you know we get up and get ready together and drive to school, and we don't do that. But now I'm home for dinner more often than I used to be. And so it's just, it's changed. But I will say it is, I think for many, many people across the world, um, you know, the pace has slowed and that's been, that has been very nice of just not being so frenetic with social and work and family activities. Um, so that's been, you know, with, with every, with every cloud, there comes that silver lining. And I think for us as a family, it's really made us appreciate and you know, the slower side of life and realize that we can prioritize and maybe not spend every minute busy. Yeah. Yeah. So what was, 
what was your journey into Microsoft? Like right back in the day, 14 odd years ago, how did you end up, you know, transitioning into Microsoft? What was the type of role you went into? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll tell you that a little, I have a kind of eclectic background. I'm the, I'm the person that they put on career panels and the people that do career planning cringe because I'm not the model student for it. I, uh, I actually started my career in design. So I came out of school with a degree in business, architecture, and journalism. So you could tell I was very focused, uh, but actually went into the advertising agency in design, quickly learned that the vision I had in my head, I couldn't get into a CAD program, so moved over to the account side and uh, spent the first part of my career uh, working in an ad agency, predominantly in a B2B capacity, then moved from that into management consulting. And mm-hmm. I was largely in the healthcare space for both okay. both on the ad side and the consulting. And then about a decade into my career, realized I, you know, I wanted to move to the client side. In the services side, you never get to see things through to fruition. You never get to see what fails or, you know, really get to learn from it. And I came, I had a friend of a friend that was looking for a communi- a global communications lead for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And so I joined Microsoft in that capacity for a project called the Microsoft Java Virtual Machine Transition. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Which was a little embedded piece of technology in Internet Explorer that we licensed from Sun Microsystems. And at that time, Sun Microsystems and Microsoft's weren't the best of friends. And so we quickly learned, I was the full-time uh, communications lead on that. We learned very quickly that um, trying to migrate the web-based applications off of the MSJVM technology would break every application on the planet, basically. And so we paid Sun Microsystems at the time a uh, fee, and the V team disbanded, and I was the only full-time person left standing. And mm. they said, great, you've made this massive career change. You have you know, some certain time to go find a new job at Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And I landed, I had somebody that I worked with in the, on the project that was running the developer tools division and mm-hmm. said, hey, we have an opening for a channel marketing manager. Why don't you come do that? And I didn't know what a developer tool was, and I didn't know what a channel was. So as you can imagine, that was a very interesting uh, first couple months on the job, but yeah. actually fell in love with development um, and the developer space. And so I ended up spending almost eight years at Microsoft. I ran what was MSDN and TechNet. Yep, I, yep, yep. Uh, our first end-to-end ISV team uh, focused on not only .NET, but Windows 8 and Azure development. Uh, mm-hmm. And so just had this, and then the Visual Studio business. And so had this incredible experience in our developer organization. And then from there went to run um, Azure. I was uh, the lead, I what we called our cloud and enterprise lead, predominantly brought over to incubate Azure in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you when I started, it was a $130 million business. And most people in the U.S. subsidiary couldn't spell Azure. And in two <laughs> years, we took that to a $2 billion business, which was wow. a giant uh, roller coaster ride in an amazing time. And um, after that, they said, okay, well, we're rebooting Dynamics and uh, business applications, and we'd love to have you come over and run that globally. And so I've been doing that for three years. Um, an equal, just uh, incredible business, incredible growth, and mm-hmm. in many ways, just a, a redefining almost all aspects of how we think about this business. Wow. Just in what you've said so far, I have learned so much. I didn't realize you're involved in the whole MSDN TechNet side of things um, back in the day. And then, of course, taking Azure on that journey, amazing. One thing you said there that kind of just pricked my interest and, and just as, as a side conversation, 
you know, back in the day, I used to work with Sun Microsystems, and then to see a company of that size disappear off the face of the earth, so to speak, how was it for you, like, when you realized that such a big company and a big player in the market could disappear like that? Well, I mean, it's a good it's a good reminder to all of us, like, no, yeah. nobody is invincible, um, and you know, you know, you see somebody like Sun Microsystems or, you know, the big five accounting days, you know, like they, those are, it's moments that, you know, I think all organizations have to mark that no one is um, invincible in times of like what we're seeing right now, mm-hmm. when economies mm-hmm. shift, when companies lose their way, um, when they aren't, you know, sort of what I would call uh, mission or purpose driven. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a helpful, I think, thing for all, for all leaders of a company to always know um, that winds change very quickly um, and to be resilient and to be agile is incredibly important. Yeah, so true. I know we're going to talk um, shortly a bit about COVID-19 and kind of um, your response and Microsoft's response to it and what you're seeing in the market. Before we go there, I just want to touch on the BizApp Summit and really for you, kind of what was your takeaway and impression of it being virtual this year. Um, yeah. What was it, What were your key takeaways? Well, as you can imagine, like it was our first, um, what we call tier one virtual event as a company. So we were incredibly nervous and excited at the same time. Um, but it was, you know, we in all aspects think it was just an incredible success. We had 50,000 people registered. Um, we took content from two and a half days into a half day. And, you know, we learned a lot, um, you know, and the main goal is to to get the community together and be able to um, learn from one another. And so we had a mix of live sessions that were moderated with subject matter experts. Um, we were able to do still even a virtual, like some very fun networking and interstitial type programming, um, which we think was really good. And we were able to bring that into build, which was not um, long after that. So, um, so it was, you know, we think a success and we learned a ton in the process. Yeah. Do you see that like even the tools that you used were quite different than perhaps what you've had to use in the past as in from um you know a broadcast you've really become a broadcast company do you know what were what were those kind of key lessons learned and how they're going to feed your patterns moving forward well i think the number one thing that we learned is programming matters um it is very different um even as a presenter i you know i do lots and lots of speaking engagements but doing it on camera versus on stage is wildly different and i, I luckily i had the opportunity to do the first kind of broad Cast internally, and it was you know, Carissa, my communications manager, will tell you it was not the greatest success because you just you don't you realize you feed off of the audience when you're on a stage, and so you can't do that on camera. Um, and so you, it's not just the, it's not the normal content, it's not the normal type of demos. You have to have moderated forums. You have to keep the you know somebody that's watching digitally engaged, um, and so that translates into shorter segments. It translates into a more scripted type. Um, presentation than you would typically do and 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 sort of these bite-size um, segments so yeah yeah so tell me what's the feedback you've received from the event well I think I, you know, I think that things like the um, Expert Connect and the networking were very popular. It was really nice to see the community come out and one, acknowledge that we were in a new space and um, and talk about, you know, how they felt um, like we were able to meet their needs. That's the most important thing is, you know, did we, did the people that took the time to log in, join the sessions, get value out of it? And I think, you know, in aggregate, we heard they did. And so for us, that's success. Um, and we'll 
do things like we'll make more time for Q&A with presenters next time and we'll make sure that, you know, the content doesn't write, go all the way right up to the end um, so that the presenter has more space to engage and answer questions. But those are tweaks in my mind. And so I think we, you know, we've, we feel good about it. And it's, and it's really hard. Like, I don't know if you saw what happened with SAP, but they had a hiccup with their virtual event. And it's hard. Like, it's just there's so many things that can go wrong with an event platform, you know, we're fortunate as a company, you know, we're built on teams, Azure media services, dynamics, marketing, like we have all of these tools that we're able to pull together to really light up a digital event in a unique way. And so I feel very fortunate that we have that, um, that technology platform to then be able to deliver something like, you know, the business application summit and build. Yeah. I don't know if it was intentional, but one of the byproducts that I heard a lot of feedback in the community was the inclusive nature of the event and that there's many people from all parts of the globe that in the past perhaps could never have attended it because of budgets and things like that. They couldn't fly in the accommodation, that type of thing. And they felt that here was now an opportunity for them to actually, you know, get the news, get the, the announcements directly from Microsoft without it being filtered, you know, through anybody else because it was available for free. Well, I think one thing's for certain, we'll never go back to an uh, like an in-person only event because we learned that. It, it's, we, to your point, it's much more inclusive. So we'll always have a hybrid, you know, as long as I, you know, have the, the say in the event, we will always do a hybrid type event. One, because it allows people that can't fly or schedules can't or budgets don't allow to participate. Um, it, it, and so that we want to always do that going forward. And now we can, we know how to do it. I think always, you know, there was this mindset that if it was digital, it had to be pre-recorded and it wouldn't be engaging. And this has allowed us to learn how to engage with the community um, and interact in a digital way. And so we will always have that as part of our event portfolio going forward. And then, you know, hopefully we will be able to also have a complimentary in-person for those that do want to do face-to-face -face networking. And so that's our goal going forward. So good. So good. I had a conversation with Hayden Stafford at the start of the year um, on the show here. And he was very excited about the, you know, Amy Hood had allocated a lot more funds into the Microsoft BizApps business um, for this financial year. And we're pretty much at the end of it now. But of course, Hayden Stafford's moved on. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting because I've observed, I've been 16 years now working in Microsoft BizApps. And I've never seen such a synergy of you, Hayden, and, and James Phillips working together and I feel like one leg of that stool is, is, is missing, is gone. How, how do you feel with the, the transition that he's made? Well, I mean, we dearly miss Hayden. Um, Hayden was just a phenomenal sales leader. And so it's, a, it's one of those that does, you know, we miss him dearly. We're also equally excited for him and his opportunity at Pegasystems um, because he has a very large direct sales force. And Microsoft, his position as this global sales leader was largely indirect. And so, you know, so it's a great move for him and we're really excited and happy for him um, and miss him every day. And, you know, and I'm confident that we will, we're, you know, we've got some really strong, excellent candidates um, that we're working with right now um, to be his successor. And I think we're going to, you'll see, you know, an equally strong partnership because the, the business is sort of built on that. You know, we've, we've, you know, there's a there's an element of trust, not just at the leadership level, but across the three teams um, that 
you know, doesn't go away with one leader going away. And so I think you'll see that continue. And, um, and we're all, you know, James and I are actively involved in, um, in that, uh, succession plan and who the next leader will be. Yeah, I definitely will be missed. And I, and just, just selfishly, I hope he doesn't get too successful over there because it can take some business away from us in a way. Well, and you know, healthy competition <laughs> is good competition. It keeps us on our toes. So true. I'm a bit bitter. I've lost two deals to Pegger over my career. Uh, um, and yes. so, uh, so I'm familiar with their product. Um, anyhow, COVID-19 has, has totally changed the landscape we're operating in. And when you started planning for FY21, sorry, FY20, I, I doubt you expected, you know, what none of us expected to happen this year. How has it kind of affected the way you've kind of had to pivot, I suppose, um, in this, these times? Well, one of the things that we had to do very quickly was, you know, how do we get the tools in the hands of the people that needed it the most and do it as quickly as possible? And, you know, we did that through uh, a set of solutions called the Microsoft Crisis Management Response, which was built on the Power Platform. And then we also did, um, we also released a set of offers that allowed organizations to access the technology at no cost for a period of time. And so, you know, our main goal was just how do we help? And it's been, um, it's been really, um, you know, one, it's been very rewarding to see us be able to help um, organizations like Swedish Health Services, you know, being able to quickly stand up a uh, crisis, you know, management response application that allowed them to, you know, with the um, frontline providers, you know, be able to you know, input what crucial resources they needed, you know, such as beds and supplies, and then be able to have the organization quickly triage that um, and get, you know, get the resources in the hands of those uh, first-line responders. So that's been very, one, we've seen an enormous uptake in those solutions and the offers uh, that we put in market. And then, like I said, being able to, you know, see see us help organizations is incredibly rewarding. And, you know, I think what it, what we've learned from that is we need to do more of that. It's that, um, how do we help organizations take that, what we call the last minute, or excuse me, the last mile business process and, you know, have a set of solutions that light up the underlying cloud services. And, um, you know, we did that with the crisis response solutions. We actually just announced the Microsoft cloud for healthcare which is a, in a very in a very similar vein of being able to take the you know all the business process layer for health organizations and be able to you know use that to drive things like workflows and teams and be able to have sample applications in the power platform and have things like API fire connectors in Azure and so taking the work out of the you know last mile business process so that an organization can quickly adopt technology you'll see us do more and more of that because between the Microsoft Cloud for healthcare and what we've done on the crisis response side, knowing that we can invest more heavily in that area. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of activity, you know, that you've done in, in the healthcare. And of course, that's been the top priority. You know, I've noticed here in, in New Zealand is that we're about two months away from, I feel, hitting rock bottom and that, you know, the government funding lines, et cetera, running out for businesses. And a lot of businesses, I think, have found them, they are not as digital as they thought they were. 
Right. You know, they have they don't have that digital infrastructure in place. They don't have the ability to transact. And they had uh, Muhammad Alam on earlier this week, and of course, talking about Dynamics three six five commerce oh, and nice. and and the engagement around that. Are you seeing? You know, is the market, if you like, engaging with you around? you know, this almost forced digital transformation that the world is now finding themselves in. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And I'm sure Mohammed had the same perspective, which is there was this original, um, I, I would say, sort of perception that because of the crisis, investment in technology would slow down. And what you're actually seeing is the exact opposite. So we're actually seeing organizations accelerate their adoption of things like commerce because they, to do things like contactless shopping and curbside pickup, they can't have a legacy ERP system do that. And so they actually have to speed up adoption to be able to have a modern commerce system that allows them to provide things that are that are required in this new environment. Customer, you know, large customer service organizations are having to move to digital. Um, again, can't do that with legacy on-prem software, and so adoption of cloud-based technology. And there was a great article about this that just talked about how you know organizations that can provide modular, agile solutions are the ones that are helping organizations navigate through digital selling, digital service, crisis response, commerce situations, you know, being able to completely redefine how you do distribution and fulfillment. Um, so it's in, in many ways, we're seeing the, ex- the exact opposite of what there, it was predicted yeah. by analysts. We're seeing acceleration. Of, of projects. And so you see, we had uh, Cracker Barrel, which is a great um, US-based organization. They're a retailer um, and their leadership team was just with our leadership team. And they were telling the story about how they're, they've actually, ex- they're, they accelerated their adoption of Dynamics 365 as they had to go to a completely um, digital platform for their retail sales. Mm, mm, mm. So so obviously a, a big upswing in market. What, are you are you finding like any um, very random edge cases that are that are adopting now that you wouldn't have necessarily seen on your radar 6 months 12 months ago? Well, I will say the um, crisis response solutions um, that are built on the power platform um, the large uh, base of those are government and health organizations, and they are mostly new to the Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform family. Um, they're new customers for us, um, and that is again because I think it's the combination of as they realize they had to get they had to get tools very quickly um, to be able to do you know bed triaging, employee readiness. That you know they the low code no code platform allowed them to create highly specialized tools and then the crisis response um, templates help them, you know, do it in an even faster, more agile way. And mm-hmm. so those are, you know, those organizations in particular are ones that um, tend to take a longer period of time to transform and adopt technology. And so while, you know, while I wouldn't call them edge cases, they're very unique to the current situation. Like it's very, you see them standing at very specific COVID-19 response applications, portals, employee communication applications. Um, and so that's, it's a segment of the market that we're serving in a very unique way. And then, yeah. you know, our goal is to help them, you know, as we come out of crisis, how do you go into rebuild mode? 
And, you know, as, as hospitals are going back to elective surgeries, how are we helping them now take that same technology to be able to triage patient, patients that need elective surgery over others? You know, because for many hospitals, elective surgery is, you know, a primary revenue generating aspect of their organization. And they need to bring that back online as it's been offline for a number of months. Yeah, so true. So true. Since you've been in this role, we've seen the rise of the power platform. And it probably, I think I first heard the terminology by James Phillip in Seattle at the the, the first BizApp Summit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we've seen, for years we've had the Dynamics 365 apps, the finished apps, um, or the first party apps that are out there. But the rise of the platform is becoming much more the focus. How are you seeing companies um, adopt this kind of low-code platform approach and and I, I suppose, how did you guys really cotton on to the massive opportunity for what would be traditionally bespoke-based applications co- companies were building where they could take the, the, the platform, all the plumbing, the wiring is all in place and just build that last piece of the application that, that suits their business requirements? Well, you know, I think I'll quote James here because he said something in a meeting um, that we that we laughed at, but is is very very true, which is there are more gaps than there are apps um, in an organization. Because while we think you know Dynamics three sixty five, we've built to be very purpose built, right? Like it's a mm-hmm. you know they we took the big ERP and CRM applications and we continue to make them more modular, but that's always going to be eighty percent. There's a twenty percent last mile that is that you know, is unique to every organization. Um, and there's no way that you can build an application that has, that will get you that, that, you know, that every organization can adopt for that last 20%. It's always unique to that particular organization. And so what we did was we designed the power platform for that last mile um, to be able to take the data whether it be in Dynamics 365 or in other systems, and create those very specific, um, either whether you need to, you know, create a new application, you need to be able mm-hmm. to analyze the data, you need to be able to automate it, and we wanted to do so in a way that was um, empowering to the organization at whole, because, you know, one of the things that is you know, when you are in the biz apps, you know, business, you understand like you've got to get the tools in the hands of those that are most, you know, closest to the problem or the opportunity. They know best. Um, And so that's what the Power Platform was designed to do. It was to democratize analyzing data, acting on data, automating data, and, um, and doing it in a, in a, you know, what you call sort of citizen fashion. And, um, and it's, and it's been a great tool for millions and millions of people. Yeah, so true. What, what are you seeing from partners around the world that are really, that have, you know, there's a lot of partners that, in my observation, that are very still stuck in the first party app world. You know, that's their traditional consulting based businesses. But the ones that are adopting the power platform and really, and, you know, the whole low code story, the whole, it's almost like business DevOps where they're going into an organization and they're migrating workloads, business workloads to the platform. Are you seeing, and, and you don't have to mention names, but kind of examples that are stand out that you're seeing um, from the partner community across the globe? Well, I think, you know, I often get the question, is it Dynamics or the Power Platform? Dynamics 365 or the Power Platform? And the answer is very much both um, because yeah. they are, you know, the Power Platform is designed to be the extensibility tool set for Dynamics 365. And so where partners are 
are, so there's the partners that I see um, that are the most successful are the ones that understand that. Like you can you can modernize a system of record with Dynamics 365, and then you can create those very specific you know um, experiences for a customer. That you know when you think about digital transformation, it's not just putting in a new customer service. It's what's the companion app that allows the customer service agent to collaborate with you know the frontline workers, and so those are those are the partners that I see when they when they understand it's an and and that the power platform is a tool to be able to highly tailor you know very specific situations within an organization in conjunction with Dynamics 365. Um, those are you know I think those partners are you know the the ones that are really you know rising to the needs of the the customers that they serve. The other thing I would say too is um, we've seen a lot of partners know that you know our, you hear James and I talk about this like mm-hmm. our strategy is in data. It's it's not actually to be the next best CRM system. It's how do we, you know, how do we create a a set of offerings that allow organizations to get the most out of their high value data and how do we break down those traditional data silos? And so partners that have you know, understand data architecture, data infrastructure, how to be able to go in and take the Power Platform, Dynamics 365, Azure, and really get allow help organizations to maximize their data estate. Those are the ones that are are the you know ones that I think are really thriving in the and and meeting meeting customers where they're at where and what they want. Yeah, yeah. What feedback are you getting from then business leaders on the customer side? that have adopted the technology and really, you know, are finding it, it it's capable of so much more than probably what they anticipated. And, you know, they're coming up with new user cases uh, or use cases. Are you, are you getting feedback from those business leaders around, you know, where they would like to see or, or what they'd like Microsoft to add or grow or... Or what other type of workloads are they moving to the platform? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, the thing that we are seeing time and time again is this this notion of being able to take you know their entire data and state estate and be able to you know gain insight and then drive to action. You know, we talk a lot about insights and we have a product line called insights. But at the end of the day, it's how are you driving business outcomes and in an accelerated fashion. Like whether you're yeah. in crisis or in rebuild or an innovation zone, like it's all about, you know, how, what, how, how do I get the most insight around my customers, my employees, my products, my entire, you know, organization, and then how do I use that to drive accelerated business outcomes? That's the sort of holy grail vision that everyone's trying to get to. And so you see, you know, organizations like Coca-Cola that's moving, you know, their entire estate from what was very siloed applications onto Dynamics 365, the power platform in Azure for that reason, because they they know having that 360-degree view of their customers um, is what allows them to do things like to be able to market, to acquire, to retain customers in a way that they've never been able to do before. Um, and so, you know, that's that's where... You know, I think the, that's the, the thing that resonates really well with customers is, you know, an end-to-end view of your, 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 um, 
your estate. And again, you know, sort of bridging customers, the, you know, what's happening with your employees, the products and services that you have, you know, all of that being able to wrap, you know, to, to be able to see that and digitally connect that. Mm-hmm. Um, people are really understanding the power in that. Um, and then I think, you know, the other thing I would say is, like, if we look at customers like C3 AI, which is Tom Siebel's customer, or Tom Siebel's company, you know, there's also this it, it, it doesn't have to take months and years to stand yeah. up a solution. Um, and that's, you know, so the time to value, um, the, the digital connection and then the time to value are the two things that I hear the most working and um, interacting with our customers. Yeah, so true. We're, we're sitting on the cusp of FY21. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, you know, as and I know the life cycle inside Microsoft, therefore you'll be well deep into planning this coming year. What are your thoughts for the, 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 the financial year ahead? Well, I think we're feeling, um, you know, we're, we we feel optimistic about it. Um, if, you know, ways as companies are, you know, and we don't know what the world ahead will, you know, what will happen. Um, but you know, we, we want to partner with organizations to make them resilient in times of crisis and in times of change. And um, you'll hear us talk about at Inspire a new set of solutions that we'll announce um, around the return to workplace. And so how do we help organizations as they start to go into a rebuild phase? Um, and how do we do that to help you know, help them prioritize the safety and well-being of their employees and how do they, you know, how are they able to take the numerous precautions to minimize risk and what are the new business processes that they need to put in place to serve their customers in new ways. And so that's that's going to be our focus really going into the fiscal year is yeah. this return to workplace, rebuild, you know, help organizations become resilient. And, um, and then you'll continue to see us, you know, drive new innovation to market and we're pretty excited about some of the things that um, not only the return to workplace um, solutions that we'll bring to market, but, you know, continuing to really um, build out the portfolio of Dynamics 365 and continue to bring more and more capability to the Power Platform and have greater and greater synergy across Teams, Power Platform, Dynamics 365, and Azure. You know, that Microsoft Cloud is our competitive advantage. And, you know, we are we are breaking down the seams um, between all of our cloud-based services so that, you know, it's, if you adopt Teams, it's very easy to then, you know, drop in, you know, Power Apps into Teams as your modern UI and be able to do workflows directly within Teams and then take an app and, you know, have that bridge into, you know, Azure App Services and really make that the our cloud estate um, not have seams across the different services. So good. The... You recently made an acquisition, um, which is so exciting. And it's probably the first time I've seen an acquisition, and that's been publicly announced, in the last three years in the BizApp space. Um, What excites you most about uh, that deal? Well, I mean, obviously, it builds on our capability to deliver robotic process automation, (laughs) excuse me, um, to the market. So RPA, you know, enhances our RPA capabilities. And so that's incredibly important. Um, And so we're excited about that acquisition. But, you know, I also get this question a lot of, like, why build versus acquire? Mm -hmm, Because there mm -hmm. are other uh, vendors in the market that have taken an acquisition path. And, you know, you can argue one is, is right or 
or wrong. I wouldn't do that. But what I would say for us, um, because our differentiation is the Microsoft Cloud, it's why you have seen us invest so heavily on the build side. So, you know, we talk publicly about all the resources we put in sales and marketing, um, but we've put an enormous amount of resources on the engineering side to be able to mm-hmm. deliver on technology that is inherently built on Azure, integrated into Microsoft 365 and Teams, you know, with Power Platform being the extensibility and customization layer for all of the Microsoft Cloud, we couldn't have done that through an acquisition. We had yeah. to do that through, you know, our engineering teams working side by side on delivering this innovation. And um, and so that's why we've been heavily on the build mode. But, you know, for the RPA acquisition that we made, that wasn't something that we were going to be able to build um, in a timely fashion. And we really wanted to be able to have a, you know, what we feel is the most comprehensive RPA solution in the market. And that uh, that is, we were lucky to be able to acquire the company that we did and, uh, and SoftMotive and be able to bring that to market. So good. Well, it's time now for some quick fire questions to wrap up. I'm going to okay. let you go. So are you ready? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think, I think. We'll see. Okay, here we go. Would you rather have a rewind or a pause button on life? Pause. Okay. What's the best date you've ever been on? Not who, but the, you know, what was the evening or the the event like? The best date. Yeah. Um, hmm, Let's see. Give me one second on that one. (laughs) There's some really good ones. I think it was probably um, a night in Paris. Nice. Just the the fairy tale type date. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had one of those dates in Paris. I know what you mean. Um, When you die, what do you want to be remembered for? Being a good person. Nice. Are you a morning or a night person? I used to be night, but I'm turning into a morning person. I don't know what's Mm. happening. Mm -hmm. I'm turning into my grandmother. She always, we should get up at five in the morning and get so much done. And I've, I've, yes, that's, I don't know what's happening, but I guess I'm moving towards morning. Wow. I was talking to someone on your team the other day on a show and she gets up at 3 a.m. Oh, I was like, wow, "Wow, that's an early start. Um, Each day. Um, If you could have a one celebrity best friend, who would it be? Uh, Reese Witherspoon. Nice. What's your love language? I don't know. Mm, interesting. Don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to come back to you on that one. <laughs> Excellent. Who do you recommend as a guest for the podcast in future that I should get on the show? Well, I think you've had a bunch of great leaders. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. I would recommend. Well, you tell me. Sales, marketing, engineering, finance. What? What are you? Any of them. I've had all the kind of the the, the most senior leads and all of those on the show. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, even the Catalyst side of things, um, I've had pretty much the team there because you did a video on the Catalyst, what, about yes. a year and a half ago, which is just, out of, just as a side note to wrap up. How has that gone, the whole Catalyst thing? Oh, excellent. So I'll answer your first mm-hmm. question, then I'll tell you about. Okay. Um, so two <laughs> names I would give you. So um, mm-hmm. if you haven't met with Walker Ellis, he is, I would awesome. say, um, just a phenomenal, um, he's led some of our biggest deals across okay. you know, some of the biggest wins, mm-hmm, C3 mm-hmm. AI, Coke. Walker's been the um, lead behind those. And so Walker's great. It. And then um, Jeff York, if you haven't met with him, he's our CFO. And he just provides an fascinating. You know, when you kind of think about the leadership team, James on the engineering side, Hayden was on sales, I'm on marketing. Yeah. Jeff was the one that kind of kept us all in line from a finance standpoint. So, um, <laughs> and he just has a, a what I would call a strategic finance point mm-hmm. of view. So, either Walker or Jeff would be a great... I love um, it. Next guest. Um, and 
Remind me, what was the question again? Catalyst, catalyst, oh, catalyst. Catalyst. Um, yeah. catalyst has been phenomenal. So all of our big engagements have been mm-hmm. Catalyst-led. And um, something you'll hear more about in fiscal year 21 is uh, Microsoft is adopting mm-hmm. Catalyst as the um, sales engagement program. So it's evolving wow. from business applications to mm-hmm. all Microsoft digital transformation pursuits. So that's very exciting to see mm-hmm. something we created in BizApps be adopted company-wide. So cool. So so cool. Alyssa, it's been great to have you on the show. Absolute pleasure. Before you go, if people want to see where you blog post or, or on any social media, where, where should they be following? Well, so I am, um, and I don't know my handle off the top of my head, but um, obviously on LinkedIn um, and on Twitter. So um, Alyssa, Alyssa Taylor, A-L-Y-S-A. Taylor, if you... T-A-Y-L-O-R. You look me up, you'll find me. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm one of the very few Alyssas with the... Um, with only one S. So it's easy to find me on on social media platforms. But the pleasure has been mine. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of the Power 365 Show. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 Guy. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 216. Until next time, stay safe out there. Ciao for now.